0: Chapter 12 of Tattlings of a Retired Politician. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill. Instagram social account Billiam113. Tattlings of a Retired Politician by Forrest Chrissy. Chapter 12 landslides and storm centers containing the observations of bill bradley on the delights of dangers of being a committee man in high authority and bossing the fight in a big campaign incidentally he relates how a state captain of the party hosts scared a whole odd commonwealth full of complacent and well-satisfied politicians, collected a campaign fund, and revolutionized results. Chapter 12 Landslides and Storm Centers, Broken Straw Ranch, nineteen something, dear Ned. Your letter is saying that the boys have made you national comedy man from the old state gave me a heavy jolt. I feel good deal like the old lumberman who stood on shore and watched his son go out on the logs to break big lumber jam. It was the lad's first star performance, and the old man remarked, "He's a fine boy, and it's a fine job." But if he don't hit it right this time, he'll never get back to where he can be licked for his foolhardiness. By exerting a little brute force and awkwardness, a man in almost any kind of office can manage to make a fool of himself. Not when he takes position of state captain for the party in a national campaign, he can still still and depend upon being made a monkey Of by any one of a thousand energetic hustlers in the organization who are prancing around nights. Apparently for the sole purpose of putting his foot in this situation. Compared to the opportunities open to a National Committee man, a legislator, a congressman or even a governor stands about as little chance to do himself harm as a boy with a buck saw and a big wood pile. The list of perils that pestered the Apostle Paul would look mild beside the array of pitfalls which wait for the feet of those who made straight the paths of party triumph. If the holder of an ordinary office keeps close taps on one or two special enemies and watches his own weak points with particular care, he's comparatively safe. But the departed general, in a big campaign, has to dodge all the sharpshooters on the other side, and give most of his time to keeping his fool friends from exploding the ammunition magazine in his own camp. Then again he must have a scent for landslides and storm centers that approximates Back in Busty, I used to know a bee tree hunter who insisted that that even in the dead of winter, he could hear the hum of a swarm of bees in the hollow 70 feet from the ground. The minute he clapped his ear to the butt of the tree. That's the kind of near for trouble you've got to have, Ned. If you get through the job you've tackled without making a mess of your political future. And right on this point of locating storm centers, I want to tell you a story that, in the language of the evangelist, will bring you to realize the sense of your imperiled condition. I was back in the old state then, as you know, and taking considerable notice of what was doing on the inside of politics. Little Doc. As you'll recall, was the National Committee man from our state and also the State Secretary of the State Central Committee at the time when the first free silver campaign broke loose. He had his enemies, but none of them accused him of sleeping daytimes, and I knew he was like Fathers old Claybank more in one respect. There was no evidence that he had ever laid down in a stall in the fields or in double harness he was as keen as a fox and had thrown the dogs of a good time by running on the top rail of the fence those of us who were best acquainted with his habits felt mighty safe when he landed on the national committee and stood for our state in the chief councils of the party but there were a good many men or boys down in the state who didn't take to him because his hair was curled and he changed his shirt at least three times a week well anyhow he was the captain of the party ship when the first free silver flood came in there wasn't a man in our party who didn't do- fairly ooze the satisfaction our candidate had been nominated, our pet planter adopted in the platform, and the whole organization in the old commonwealth was as chesty as a peacock in spring. One morning in June, the faithful in the state were thrown into fits by an interview from our member of the National Committee. The war horses of the party frothed at the mouth and pawed the ear as they read the words of our little doc. Our state is the storm center of the national campaign and we are right now in the democratic column if the election were tomorrow we would be beaten to the finish this from our member of the national committee and general pilot of the campaign As that interview percolated out through the state, a tidal roar set towards the city and increased in volume with every passing hour. Telegrams began to pour in from the politicians in every part of the state, and a good many of them were actually paid messages. The fellows, who were either big enough or little enough to speak out in meeting freed their minds, called them all kinds of traitors, and fool, war, and demanded his resignation from both national and state committees. Inside of three days, there was a bushel of letters and telegrams from all over the state, all of the writers frothing at the mouth and reaching for the scalp of the Oh, comedy man, who had disgraced the party with this blatant and cowardly nonsense. They had a great deal to say about Little Dockster's suggestions that our state was the storm center of the national campaign. That stuck in the crops of the whole outfit, but it especially riled the members of the state and country central committees. But somehow they seemed to consider it, as a personal slap at them and they laid it down hard and fast that there rose in the party when yard had been tended to in a way that put a short crop out of the question regardless of the weather. speaking moderately the national committee man found himself in the position of an official forecaster who would on the balmiest day in June, hang out every black flag and alongside in the outfit and notify the public that inside of twenty-four hours there would be sail, sleet and snow to beat Medicine Hat, and a higher speed of wind than ever swept Kansas, Missouri, and all the South Seas. But all through this hubbub, the little dog kept right on smiling cool and happy as the cane ring fakir at a county fair. All he did was to call a meeting of the State Central Committee and to declare that he had been correctly quoted in the interview. Up to that time, the meeting of the State Central Committee had resembled the reunion of the Glad Hand Brigade, at which the National Committee man figured as the guest of honour. But this time, when the wheel horses came in from the four counters of the Commonwealth, they didn't pound the little duck on the back quite as hard as usual. He was just as bright and chipper, as if he didn't know they were going to ask his head on a salver in the course of the media proceedings. He represented the first district, and when the ball opened, remarked, as I seem to have said too much already, you may pass right on to the other brethren and hear their reports on the condition of the work. Perhaps some of them may wish to ask a few questions, then I might like to make some inquiries of them. We will all feel free to speak right out and unburden of our souls. Nick a banker from a country district, was the first to call on. He licked his lips and smiled as he grabbed the labels of his coat and addressed the committee gentlemen so as far as my district is concerned i am proud to give emphatic demand to the strange and alarming rumours that have become Current as to the condition of the party. You may rely upon the old second district to roll up her usual majority for the party. She has never failed yet, and with the splendid platform and candidate which we go before the people, I regard the battle as a ready one. A general smile passed around the long table as Snivelly sat down, and the lawyer from the third was called on to give his testimony there were several large manufacturing towns in his district and only once in the history of the state had it gone democratic he was spoken of as a bright man and a good talker friends he said as he slipped the fingers of his right hands in their accustomed places between the second and third buttons of his prince albert coat i have searched the third district from croon creek to the Scrub oaks hills and from prairie centre to cottonwood Corners looking for a storm center. There isn't one in the district unless it's in the ice houses on Clear Lake. This brought a round of law officers, and the witty lawyer continued. Down in our part of the state, it has never been necessary to cry wolf, wolf in order to get out the boat. We followed the even tenor of our way and come up with a solid front for the party when the polls open. This time will be no exception. The substantial men of the party, the leaders of public opinion, are enthusiasts for the candidates and the principles with, with which we appeal to the voters. You don't think, then, that the free silver heresy has made any inroads into the party ranks in your bailiwick? meekly inquired little Doc. No, emphatically no. Responded the lawyer with smiling dignity Uh, then the national committee man turned to snobly and asked You don't feel that the people of your districts are um, setting up nights to worry about the crime of 73 I Should say not he answered Calamity howlers are scarce down our way. We haven't gone star crazy if if I have gentlemen interrupted the little doc i'm going to make a few statements right here if you go home and any of you find things different than what i say then you can have my resignation from both committees on which i am serving right in Nick Snivelly's district there are three silver republican clubs one has 306 members another 248 and 160. every member is pledged to vote for brian and free silver of course there's secret organizations but i'll give mr snively a list of their meeting places and all the other vitally s- statistics so that he can check me up and get my resignation then the little duck turned to lawyer pratt and said you don't seem to have an eye for storm centers just go over your district with this list and you'll find seven good sized ones and they're growing steadily There are more silver Republican clubs, and if you don't get busier than a boy killing snakes, they will make your election statistics look like the report from a Banner district in Mississippi. But there are other districts a whole lot worse than yours. I don't believe, interrupted Snively, and the lawyer cut in with, How do you know? When we all get all the testimonies in, answered the little duck i'll tell you for you have a right to know but i insist that every man shall make the report which he came to the meetings intending to make the others didn't put on the enthusiasm pedal quite as thick as the first ones but they stuck to it that party sentiment was going strong and healthy and that their districts could be counted on to roll up good majorities for mckinley and sound money then the National Committee man told us how many weak spots he could put his finger on in that particular territory, and he closed the argument by telling the men who had joined in the cry for his resignation that if they didn't stir up things from one end to the state to the other, the whole campaign would be lost, and the responsibility would rest on their shoulders. After that, he explained how he had found that Coin Harvey's book, that had supplanted the family bibles in thousands of republican homes and that the crime of 73 and the doctrine redemption of free silver had crowded out the old orthodox plan of salvation without consulting anyone he had sent out to every county of the state picked up men whose ostensible business was to gather up crop statistics but who talked politics with every man he came across these men made daily reports mailing them to a certain lock in the city in a few days he found that the deep-chested satisfaction of the faithful was blind belief and had no connection with observation of actual conditions after he had heard from every county and knew that enough Republicans had gone silver to spell defeat, the little Doc gave out his famous interview. When the meeting broke up, the members were a well-scared bunch, and but the fright didn't straight clear in until they had begun to dig into the holes the Doc had marked and verify his statements. Most of the committee man found the silver Republican clubs had grown in numbers and membership. Before, it had been impossible to raise a campaign fund, and many had said, What's the use? It's simply throwing away to spend it for what's a kinch anyway. After the scare the committee man had carried the news of the Storm Center among their people, you could not keep the contributions away with an army with banners. The money rolled in. But the Doc had the same fire to arouse the members of the National Committee that he had in his own state. Finally, however, he got them on the run, and whenever they could see the storm center, they went after it hard. Instead of being called upon to resign, the little Doc was the kingpin in the situation. The men to whom Uncle Mark Hannah went, when he suspected that the mists of prejudice or complacency were obscuring his visions and preventing him from spotting a storm center moving down from the medicine hat of political obscurity and so ned if you are going to run the national campaign in your next year don't let the reassurance of the country members lull you into complacency keep both eyes and both ears open for the sign of the times Put your ear to the butt of every chimney that could possibly hold ease, and listen for a buzzing sound from higher up. Take a crop census, and find out for sure what kind of scheme of salvation is being warmed over at the family stove hearth of the common people. This is only another way of saying: look out for landslides. The uncertainty of their appearance is as sure. As that of coming of the Lord they are bound and as I've said before to drop in at the moment when you think not and like a thief in the night I have been dug out of the edge of one or two landslides and I can testify that nothing in my experience ever gave me anything like the same feeling excepting being hit in the stomach with the baseball patted by a blacksmith's apprentice. And as far as that goes, Ned, the red schoolhouse issue put you on the shelf for long term. At least that's the way you look at it. Perhaps you've never heard of the true inwardness of that campaign, which precipitated the worst landslide in the history of the old state. There was some apparent dissatisfaction. with. A school bill that the governor had signed but none of the politicians t- paid any attention to that for a reason that every religious denomination touched by it had been represented in the Commission that prepared the measures of course the governor had signed it and thought he would never again hear from it as it was an agreed bill. But when it was renominated, the parochial school teachers camped on his trail and made it some hot for him. But on the other hand, I never saw such meetings as the governor had that campaign. When we struck the city, we had fairly to blindfold him in order to make him take in all the meetings scheduled. His old army wound got to hurting him after he had done a about so much and he'd bark right in the shafts and refused to budge all right we'd say this is your campaign if you don't care about being governor again we'll be glad to call the campaign of right here but if you'd like to go back to the mansion there are several thousands men with votes waiting to see you at the meeting ahead of us better drop in and see them this brought him to his senses, and he greeted the boys like a lost brother just returned from war when the worlds were in, we felt that the count was a good deal of formality, and we put in more time figuring out how the patronage in this state would be parcelled out than we did in worrying over the result. But when the returns came to come in, we felt as if the top peak of Peak's Pike had landed on us everybody shouted the little red schoolhouse did it and they have kept up the cry ever since without stopping to figure that the governor ran far ahead of our national ticket he simply got in the way of a landslide that had started at the homestone instead of a red schoolhouse. So far as I have been able to learn, the geological experts of politics haven't given out any authoritative work on the law of landslides, and campaign weather department is a little behind on the handbook of how to locate storm centres. These two things are figured out um, to a cocksure scientific certainty. There will be about as little fun in playing politics as in shaking with loaded dice. Without an occasional upheal in the midst of calm politics, would become business instead of the greatest game that American gentlemen and others are privileged to play. The campaign manager who cannot see the trouble coming across several states is as poor a politician as he who thinks that nothing of great consequence, good or bad, can start in his own commonwealth. Yours as ever, William Bradley End of chapter 12